Well, good morning, church. It is good to be here. Good to be here. As uh, per usual, I have some jokes. If you're waiting for inspiration, don't worry. We're going to get to the inspired word of God. We're going to get there. But for some jokes. I noticed my wife and kids were wearing vests. So I put one on and I, I, so I could say, this is the best day ever. Then I took it off to say that I wasn't quite as invested as they were. I had a happy childhood. My dad used to put me in tires and roll me down hills. Those were good years. <laughs> Little known fact, Darth Vader has a far sneakier younger brother called Taxi. Taxi Vader. <laughs> I know, those are just terrible. Just terrible, terrible enough to be fantastic. Yeah. Well, school has started, kids are off to college, and for some of us, everything has changed. And for others, the month on the calendar has changed. And uh, most things are at full throttle now. We're quite busy with a lot of things. And in the next week or two, we have life groups starting up. We have extracurricular activities firing up. And so there's a lot happening. And so how can we expect to add life groups to an already busy schedule, right? Many of us already feel busy. It's so important. It's valuable in our walk with the Lord, in our journey with Jesus, to be involved in small groups, where we have a small group of people that are helping to disciple us. That's so good. I really, I can't recommend it enough, honestly. But how can we add them to our busy schedules? Some cultures are good at being content. They're good at enjoying their families and their possessions. Canadians, North Americans, not, not as good at it, not so much. I want to tell you a story written by Heinrich Bull. So the story is set in a harbor on the west coast of Europe. A smartly dressed, enterprising tourist is taking photographs when he notices a shabbily dressed local fisherman taking a nap in his fishing boat. The tourist is disappointed with the fisherman's apparently lazy attitude towards his work, so he approaches the fisherman and he asks him why he's lying around instead of catching fish. The fisherman explains that he went fishing in the morning and the small catch would be sufficient for the next two days. The tourist tells him that if he goes out to catch fish multiple times in a day, he'd be able to buy a motor in less than a year, a second boat in about a year after that, and so on. The tourist further explains that one day, the fisherman could even build a cold storage plant, later a pickling factory, fly around in a helicopter, build a fish restaurant, and export lobster directly to Paris without the middleman. The nonchalant fisherman asks, well then what? The tourist, fish, er, the sorry, the tourist enthusiastically continues, then, without a care in the world, you could sit here in the harbor, doze in the sun, and look at the glorious sea. But I'm doing that already, said the fisherman. 
The fisherman already had it figured out that he didn't need the stress that comes with building an empire. He simply wanted to meet his, day, needs, his needs on a day-to-day basis. And once he had done that, to rest and enjoy what he already had. The entrepreneurial tourist had a mindset that probably we are more familiar with. One that says, work hard until you're past your prime. And then finally, you can retire and enjoy life and the fruits of your labor then. I want to uh, thank the Lord for, for being, uh, being vocal this morning. Because what I want to talk about this morning is uh, about being occupied but not overwhelmed. And those prophetic words that were shared during worship were not planned at all by me or by Tara or by Taya, but they were planned by God because God has something that he's wanting to get our attention of. It's good to have things to do. It's not good to be lazy. But in our actions, in our work, how do we not get stressed? How do we not get burnt out? In a minute, we'll see what the Bible says about that, but first, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word that it is filled with life. We thank you for your presence that's the difference maker. We thank you, Lord God, for guiding us, for leading us. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word today, May we be moldable clay in your hands today. May we hear and obey what it is that you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are many verses in the Bible that talk about and warn about being lazy. And I have just a few of them here for you. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And my favorite verse on warning against being lazy is Proverbs 26.15. Lazy people take food in their hand but won't even lift it to their mouth. I can't imagine being that lazy, but obviously it happens. Even from Adam and Eve, we are warned about the value of work. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. Clearly, laziness is not biblical, and work is biblical. So I'm not promoting laziness. We need to be working while it's day. We need to be occupied. But how do we be occupied without being overwhelmed? There are some practices that God has put in place for us already that I hope you're taking advantage of. Uh, First is the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there for us to rest and to recuperate, for us to rest our bodies, our minds, to reconnect with our families and to, to enjoy what God has given us. Our services and our life groups, every time that we get together, we can enjoy each other's company, we can encourage one another, pray for each other, and we can build each other up. 
And thirdly, God also has placed specific people in our lives, our physical families, those friends that are in our inner circle, our life groups and church family, they are there. They're all, we are all here to help each other grow. Now let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, and let's take a look at what Paul says about what we can do to be occupied but not overwhelmed. Philippians 4, 10 through 14 is, I think, the perfect scripture to communicate exactly what we need to hear today. And it starts out, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. The phrase in these verses that hit me the hardest on how we can be occupied but not overwhelmed is the phrase, I have learned. Paul learned how to be content with what he has, and he learned the secret of living in every circumstance. People aren't naturally content. Some babies are born content, but once we realize that there are other options out there, once we realize there are other choices available to us, it's hard to be satisfied with this when we can get that, that wonderful thing. So I made this list just before lunch hour, so it's all about food. <laughs> once we know that desserts exist, we don't really want the main course anymore. Once we know that chocolate bars are almost everywhere, it's hard to be satisfied, to be content without having chocolate bars. Once we know those delicious items are readily available, it's hard to be content not having them. And so we need to learn to be content. In order for us to be occupied but not overwhelmed, we need to learn to be content. If we aren't content, we'll keep striving for those things to fill the voids in our lives. If we aren't striving, we're going to keep trying to impress other people. If we aren't content, we're going to keep trying to prove something. Dave Ramsey says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> and we end up overworked and overwhelmed in the process. We can't live the abundant life that's promised us and to be set fully free that Christ has died to give us if we can't learn to be content. And learning to be content comes in three ways. I'm going to share all three with you. To learn to be content, we need the proper perspective. I'm going to take you back to Isaiah's sermon last week because we can't be content without being thankful. We need to be thankful. 
And so I'm borrowing a couple of scriptures that he shared last week as well. James 1.17 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from, to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When we are aware that God is the one who gives us every good gift and that everything that comes in front of us is for our own benefit and so that we can be better, we can be more like him, then we have a kingdom-minded perspective. That's how we can shift our perspective. We're less focused on ourselves and more focused outside of ourselves. We are limiting our perspective when we internalize and we look at ourselves and we think about our own issues, our own problems, and, and we just fixate on our own problems and thoughts. It's more healthy to look out, to look to God to look to others, to have a, a kingdom-minded perspective that looks to other races and cultures and countries. A kingdom perspective looks beyond even this moment and looks back to what God has done and has said and looks forward in faith to what God can do in the future. A kingdom perspective isn't possessive. Instead, it recognizes every asset, everything that we have, whether it's a, a car, a house, uh, talents, gifts, um, even time in our bodies. These are all gifts that God has given us to be used for his kingdom. And someday, we're going to be called to account for how we use these things, how we use these gifts and did we honor God in them? A kingdom perspective isn't looking for offense or revenge, but opportunities to love without strings. If we want to learn to be content, we have to start with the right perspective, the kingdom perspective. The second way we can learn to be content is we need our priorities in check. We need our priorities in check. What and who we value will determine where we put our energy. Jesus very clearly spoke about treasure and where we as his disciples, where we should be investing our lives. He does so in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When I was single, I was fortunate enough to buy my own home. I had my own summer cruising car. I had a motorbike. I had a really fantastic TV and I had an even better stereo in my house. And so I, I had made my own home theater. It was pretty cool. Uh, I could actually shake the windows of my house. 
Uh, it was an old house. So I could shake the windows of my house, and it was pretty fun. To this day, all that I have left of all of those things is the stereo. All the others are long gone because my treasure wasn't in them and still isn't in them. They were, a, they were fun for a time, but that's not the point. My treasure isn't there. When we value the kingdom of God, we will be investing into it. We can't say we value something if we don't invest in it, if we don't put any time into it. This is clearly seen in how we use our money, what we purchase, right? But it's also seen in our comfort. It's also seen in our thoughts. It's also seen in our time. Learning how to be content will prioritize the kingdom of God over our feelings, over our thoughts, over our comfort level. Now, as Canadians, we like to be comfortable. We like to be comfortable. If it's two or three degrees too warm in here, man, start to feel too warm. Two or three degrees too cold, wow, where's my jacket? I know, I gotta get my coat. I'm a little cold in here, right? We like to be comfortable. As I mentioned that, I saw someone just, oh yeah, it is kind of chilly in here. Maybe I should warm up a little bit. We like to be comfortable, probably too much. We probably value comfort too much. Because I think that God has lots in store for each of us that we're just uncomfortable doing. Because he asked us to go beyond our comfort zone, where we trust in him, where we are weak and he is strong. But we're not comfortable going there. I'm going to be real here, church, and some of these may sting a little, but to you, but I assure you they, st- they all sting for me because I've, I have, I have uh, stayed in my comfort zone instead of stepping out in faith in each of these examples. These are all personal examples from my life that I want to share with you, different ways in which I've been challenged to step out in faith and to deny my flesh to pursue the kingdom of God. We maybe aren't ready to step out in faith and to talk to a stranger about Jesus or because we maybe feel, oh, I think there's something. They need prayer. I should pray for them, but oh, that'd be uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable doing that. We maybe aren't ready to leave our area of strength and to foray into a new area, an area that we might not know everything about, but an area that we are certain God is calling us to. An area that we know there's so much potential for the kingdom of God in that area. But I'm not ready to step out of my comfort zone. We maybe aren't ready to give up control and to see what God will do in a situation if we just say, okay, God, my life, my whole life is yours. No more hiding rooms. No more hiding things away saying, you can have this, but not that. We maybe aren't ready to sacrifice certain luxuries or preferences that we have to be able to invest more into the kingdom of God. We maybe aren't ready to give up the grudge and fully forgive someone for how they have wronged us. Where our treasure is, our heart will also be. Or where our heart is, our treasure will also be. I've shared this before, but it's been a while and I want to share it again. So when I came on staff as associate pastor, 
I knew one of the expectations of me was to preach, but it was so far beyond my comfort zone. I was not wanting to preach. And so every time it came up for me to preach, for the three weeks leading up to it, I would tell Scott pretty much every day, I quit, I can't do this, it's too much. Because I wasn't comfortable with it. It was beyond my comfort zone. I was not at all comfortable preaching. In fact, I had camps calling me saying, hey, you're a pastor, you should come and preach at our family camp. Nope, can't do it, sorry. (laughs) Do you want to pray about it? Nope, can't do it, sorry. I could not preach beyond any more that I absolutely had to because I wasn't willing to give up my comfort zone. Sometimes I think about what would have been different if I would have obeyed those opportunities. What would be different if I would have said yes to those camps? What would have been different if I would have even prayed about it and said, God, what's your answer here? I know what mine is, but what's your answer here? What would have been different? I don't want to limit what God may do in me and through me. I don't want my feelings, my thoughts, or my comfort zone to determine what I let God do through me. And if my priorities are in line with Scripture, then it's easy to say no to those things that, that, don't, that actually don't apply. Those things that are tempting but not worth it to those things that aren't fulfilling my call and the purpose that God put me on this planet for. And it is easier when I know those things to say yes to those opportunities that God does place in front of me. It's easier when I know my priorities. The third and final way in which we learn to be content is we need Christ as our source of power. We need Christ as our source of power. Jesus Christ is God, and God is limitless power. He is omnipotent. He has no end to his power. From absolutely nothing, nothing. You can't, I can't even fathom nothing. There's always something, even when we think of nothing, but from absolutely nothing, God spoke, and universes appeared just appeared. They just came to be from words. And for whatever reason, probably pride, I regularly draw from my own reserves, from my own strength for my day-to-day needs and tasks. Instead of drawing from the one who has no end to his depths, under my powers, I've already discussed, it was, it was hard for me to preach. It was a, a hard thing for me to do. But Paul, under the power of Christ, says in verse 13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's the strength of Christ that gives us that ability, not our own strength. We need to rely on him. Now, this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible because this verse doesn't mean... I can bench press a car. This verse doesn't mean I can jump into outer space and fly to Mars. That's not what this verse means. In the context, Paul's talking about, I can be content 
in every situation, whether I am in extreme abundance or extreme lack. Doesn't matter. I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. I can do what God's called me to do regardless of where I am on that spectrum. That's what that verse means. I want to give you guys uh, an object lesson. It was hard to have a fully blown balloon in my back pocket, so I'm going to have to blow it up now. I have a spare in case I blow this one up. Okay, so let's say this represents my own strength. Okay, and all the other air in the world represents the strength of Christ. And even then, that's limited, and we know Christ's strength is not limited, okay? So every time I get low on strength, I can take some of my own strength. I can rely on my own strength, and I can continue doing what I need to do. And then again, a little while later, I need some more strength. And so if I don't tap into the limitless strength around me, I have to draw from my own strength again. And you can see that I'm getting less and less strength left. You know what our own strength sounds like? I did this. That's what our own strength sounds like. How long can I keep this going? (laughs) That is our own strength right there. It's nothing compared to the strength that we have in Christ. Nothing. Don't trap yourself with your meager power reserves. Tap into the limitless strength that is in Christ. No doubt you've noticed all three ways in which we learn to be content are P words. Perspective, priorities, power. You've probably figured that out. You know, pastors, we like to like to alliteration. We like little tricks to remember things. And these three have such a tight relationship that honestly, it was hard to differentiate. Okay, I'm going to talk about this verse and this topic, but really, which one is it? Because they're all so closely related. They're all so intertwined. We need priorities, perspective, and power all working together so that we can learn to be content. We can't be missing a single one. Our camera tripods, if you take out one of the legs, it's gonna fall over. It's not gonna be able to stand up on its own. And that's exactly what it's like with these three. They're all dependent on the other two. We need all three at the same time to support each other so we can learn to be content. Learning to be content is the secret to being occupied but not overwhelmed. We're all guilty of being discontent. We're all guilty of that, of being stressed, of being overwhelmed. And I'm going to guess that not many of us know what it is to be fully content. If you're recognizing that you need to learn to be content, to set your perspectives, your priorities, and your power 
in Christ, then I want to invite you to, to respond today. If I can get the worship team and the prayer team to come up, I want to encourage you, it can be done. You can learn to be content. And it all starts with a fourth P word, the presence of God. We can find his presence in prayer. We can find his presence in fellowship, in Christ-centered fellowship. We can find his presence in reading the Bible. We can find his presence in worship. We can find his presence here and now as he's here with us. And if I could invite you to stand as we close the sermon and the service today, I want to encourage you, if you feel stressed or overwhelmed or like the pressures of life are just too much for you, they're just bearing down on you and you have too much of a burden and you need the yoke of Christ, you need to learn to be content, then I want to encourage you in this last song, raise your hands and just let God know, I want to learn to be content. I need to learn to be content. I need to learn proper priorities, perspective, and to set my power in you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have shown us how we can be content, how we can push off the stress and not be overwhelmed in, in the day-to-day -day activities, in what you've called us to do and in the different opportunities that we have. Lord, we want to be occupied but not overwhelmed. We want to be busy but not burnt out. How can we do that, Lord? Show us how to set our priorities, perspectives, and power in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Can we call?
If you feel God pressing on your heart to respond, we have 
these wonderful ladies up front that would love to pray with you and to see God move in your life, to see that stress, to see that sense of being overwhelmed removed from you. You know, the wonderful thing about one of the scriptures that was read today about the yoke of take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy, my yoke is, whatever it says. Take it upon you. But you know the wonderful thing, the amazing thing about that is a yoke was designed for two. Yokes were designed for two. So that means that you and Jesus are walking side by side, step by step. He's right beside you. And if you're wanting that reassurance, you have that right now. He's with you. He's with you when you take his yoke. But we have to remove our own yokes the things that we put on ourselves that aren't of Him. So take your yoke off and take on His yoke. And He'll be right there beside you the whole way. If you're here and you have never given your life to Christ, I want to tell you it, it's, it can be done in three steps. One, to recognize that you're not perfect. Not any one of us is, except Jesus. He lived the perfect sinless life to give you the opportunity to accept his sacrifice. Secondly, to receive Jesus' sacrifice for your sins and receive him as your savior. And then third is to relinquish control of your life over to him by taking his yoke and walking with him. If you want to do that, I would love to lead you in a prayer to start you in your journey with Jesus. If you're online and you want to do that, there's an online host that can help you with that as well. And so come forward for prayer. Parents are dismissed to go and get their children. And I want to encourage you to just stay in his presence because that's where change happens. If you need to just stand here, sit here in the presence of God and to let him speak to you about how you can learn to be content, then you're welcome to do that. There's coffee out in the foyer and there's some wonderful people to get to know. I hope to see you all at the church in the park next week.